0: Welcome to the Buddha Sasana Podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Nashville, Tennessee. The three body contemplations we've looked at so far each break the body into something more basic, into the breath, into the posture, into bodily actions, and by implication, break down the self. The next two contemplations do the same thing, but by breaking the whole of the body into its constituent parts, but in two different ways. Let's continue. Again, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu reviews the same body up from the soles of the feet and down from the top of the hair, bounded by skin, as full of many kinds of impurity thus. In this body, there are head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, intestines, mesentery, contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle snot oil of the joints and urine this exercise asks us to review the parts of the body up from the soles of the feet and down from the top of the hair bounded by skin as full of many kinds of impurity this implies a kind of scanning from top to bottom or from bottom to top since it includes hairs and fingers and toenails. This scan is only approximately bounded by the skin. This passage also asks us to view these parts as impure. It's been pointed out that impurity is a biased perspective imposed on the body for pedagogical reasons, not because it's how the body is intrinsically. For instance, we could just as well choose to view the body as exquisite in its complexity and precise in its functionality as a fine-tuned machine. However, seeing it as impure tends to lead to dischantment and away from craving attachment and identification with respect to the body or with respect to the bodies of others. The list of factors to contemplate in this passage is perhaps representative, but clearly incomplete. Gender-specific organs and the pancreas are missing, for instance. This list represents four layers. The first layer consists of things observable at the surface level of the body. Head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, and of course skin scanning the body at this level, one might be inclined to include the eyes. Eyes seem rather prominent. Since one must open the mouth to discover the teeth, one might as well include the tongue. I don't see why the yogi cannot include or exclude what one likes and proceed in any order one likes. Just remember that as one moves from one part of the body to the next, bhikkhu abides contemplating body in body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. The second layer is the musculoskeletal system that gives the body form and movement, flesh, sinews, bones, and bone marrow. Marrow seems very specific in the absence of joints and various kinds of connective tissue that also seem to be worthy objects of contemplation. The third layer is the internal organs. Kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, intestines, and mesentery. Most people like me need some serious imagination to place these organs. Finally, the fourth layer consists of fluids and excretions, things that ooze. The contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints, and urine. It should be noted that this level has the longest list, which is also the list that makes the strongest case for the impurity of the body. I only recently realized that the brain, to the modern mind, a particularly key organ, is not on the long list of body parts, but was added to the list as a standard formula repeated in other texts. Interestingly, the brain is added to the fourth layer, representing things that ooze. In any case, the segmentation into four layers suggests approaching this exercise in four passes over the body in our contemplation. The Buddha then continues by offering a simile for this exercise. Just Just as as though there were a bag with with an an opening opening at both ends, ends... full of many sorts of grains such as hill rice, red rice, beans, peas, millet, and white rice, and a man with good eyes were to open it and review it thus. This is hill rice. This is red rice. These are beans. These are peas. This is millet. This is white rice. So too Abiku reviews, This same body is full of many kinds of impurity thus. In this body there are head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, and so on, repeating the whole list all over again, ending in oil of the joints and urine. The bhikkhu then concludes this exercise with the now familiar refrain, In In this way, way, he he abides abides contemplating the body in the body internally, internally, externally, and both internally and externally, and so on. In internal analysis, body parts are evidence for the presumption of the whole body as a substantial and relatively permanent thing. Internally and externally, we put the body and its parts side by side and inquire about their equivalents. A persistent formation or cognitive habit pattern in human cognition is that which makes wholes out of parts. This formation is even operative when we look up at the stars and group them into interesting patterns that we then call constellations. Giving attention to the parts rather than the whole in this way tends to shake up our conviction in the substantiality of the whole, in this case, in the substantiality of the body, to put it on unstable ground. I once got an MRI, and while my physician helped me interpret it, came out negative, he told me that as a young doctor, after having looked at many MRIs, He discovered in himself a profound shift in how he thought of the body. It was no longer a fixed thing for him. He gave me a disc with my MRI so that I could modernize this contemplation of the body parts in my own practice. This exercise produces an insight that is realized when the presumption of a substantial body breaks down. There's a wonderful book-length text from some centuries after the Buddha that takes us through these initial steps in internal analysis. This is the questions of King Melinda, which presents a series of dialogues between King Melinda and a learned monk named Nagasena. King Melinda was a Bactrian Greek, and a very philosophically astute Buddhist who ruled over parts of what are now Afghanistan and Pakistan, a remnant of Alexander the Great's empire. It's a wonderful read. The first dialogue begins when the two first meet. I'll condense it here. King Melinda asks Venerable Nagasena, How is your your reverence?" reverence... known? And what is your name, sir? As Nagasena, I am known, O great king, and as Nagasena, do my fellow religious habitually address me. But this word Nagasena is just a denomination, a designation, a conceptual term, a current appellation, a mere name for no real person can here be apprehended. In other words, Nagasena is a cognitive construct, not a self. King Melinda then challenged this statement. If, most Reverend Nagasena, no person can be apprehended in reality, who is it that guards morality, practices meditation, and realizes the four paths and their fruits, and therefore... Nirvana. Who is it that killing living beings takes what is not given, commits sexual misconduct, tells lies, drinks, intoxicants? Then what is this Nagasena? Are perhaps the hairs of the head Nagasena? No, great king. Or perhaps the nails, teeth, skin, muscles, sinews, bones, marrow? kidneys, heart, liver serous membranes spleen, lungs, intestines mesentery, stomach excrement, the bile, phlegm, pus, blood, grease, fat, tears, sweat spittle, snot fluid of the joints, urine or the brain in the skull are they this Nagasena? No, great king or is Nagasena A form or or feelings feelings or or perceptions perceptions or formations or or consciousness, No no great king. Form, feelings, perceptions, formations, and consciousness are the aggregates, which have their own exercise later in the Satipatthana. So we'll come back to these in a later talk.
1: Then is it the
0: combination of form-feelings, perceptions, impulses, and consciousness? No, great king. Then is it outside the combination of form-feelings, perceptions, impulses, and consciousness? No, great king. The king concludes, Your reverence has told me a lie. He has spoken a falsehood. Thereupon, the venerable Nagasena said to King Melinda, how did you come, on foot or on a mount? I did not come, sir, on foot, but on a chariot. If you have come on a chariot, then please explain to me what a chariot is. Is the pole the chariot? No, Reverend Sir, is the axle the chariot? No, reverend, sir. Is then the wheels or the framework or the flagstaff or the yoke or the reins or the goat stick? No, reverend, sir. Then is it the combination of pole axle wheels, framework, flagstaff, yoke reins and goat stick, which is the chariot? No, reverend, sir. Then is this chariot outside the combination of pole, axle, wheels, framework, flagstaff, yoke, reins, and goad? No, reverend sir. Then ask as I may, I cannot discover any chariot at all. This chariot is just a mere sound. But what is the real chariot? Your majesty has told a lie, has spoken a falsehood. There is really no chariot. Now listen, speaking to the audience that was listening. This King Melinda tells me that he has come in a chariot, but when asked to explain to me what a chariot is, he cannot establish its existence. How can one possibly approve of that? Those present thereupon applauded the venerable Nagasena and said to King Melinda, Now let your majesty get out of that if you can. But King Melinda said to Nagasena, I have not, Nagasena, spoken a falsehood, for it is dependence on the pole, the axle, the wheels, the the framework, the flagstaff, etc., there takes place this denomination chariot, this designation, this conceptual term, a current appellation, and a mere name. Your Majesty has spoken well about the chariot. It is just so with me, independence. On the 32 parts of the body, there takes place this denomination nagasena this designation this conceptual term a current appellation and a mere name in ultimate reality however this person cannot be apprehended this has been said by our sister wajira when she was face to face with the lord buddha In other words, the body or the chariot is dependently arisen from its parts, but notice that it arises as an object of cognition, a designation, a conceptual term, a name, that arises not as something substantial with independent existence from its own side, but cognitively built from formations. Our sister Vijayara refers to a nun, a bhikkhuni, who lived at the time of the Buddha, who was a fully awakened teacher in her own right. Nagasena's argument is actually a more elaborate reworking of Vijayara's teaching in one of the early suttas, for which Nagasena properly cites the source. The dialogue then concludes... It is wonderful, Nagasena. It is astounding, Nagasena. Most brilliantly have these questions been answered. Were the Lord Buddha himself here, he would approve what you have said. Well spoken, Nagasena. Well spoken. There are actually many thought experiments of this nature that clarify the process of internal analysis. Some modern ones refer to cars, which are modern-day chariots. For instance, we can extend Nagasena, or Wijyara's analysis, to impermanence by contemplating the process where, over the years, many parts of your car have been worn out or damaged and replaced. The pool of evidence for your car is, in this sense, impermanent. Is it the same car? Is the car in the car permanent? What if every part has been replaced? As a variant of this exercise, suppose over the years, every time a part of your car has been replaced, you have given the old, damaged, or worn part to your neighbor, Bob, who is a mechanic. Bob has, over the years, refurbished each and every part, saved the refurbished parts, and finally assembled his own car from your old parts? Who owns the original car, you or Bob? These questions have no definitive answers. They are simply artifacts of the options we have in how we cognitively construct reality and have nothing whatever to do with reality itself out there beyond our own concepts. Internal analysis reveals this for us over and over for body, for feelings, for mind, and for phenomena. Next week, we'll look at another way of deconstructing the body into its parts, specifically into the elements of earth, water, fire, and air.